You're listening to episode 42 of Widowcast with Joanne Philomena from Joanne the Life Coach and author of the best-selling Amazon Kindle book, Widowed. These are real stories and real experiences of widowhood, both my own story as a widow and many other widows I've known and worked with as a life coach. Don't get stuck in your grief for months and years. I can help you travel this path of mourning to continue on in life. Welcome back, listeners, and hello, South Africa. I'm so surprised at the response I've been getting from down in South Africa. It's been lovely. You've all been commenting on the ad that shows where you can download a free copy of my book. I've been getting so many beautiful emails from all of you. I can't even begin to give out all the shout outs to everyone that's reached out. So I'm thrilled to be discovered down in South Africa. Today, I want to talk about how I moved into a completely new path in my life, even while grieving. You know, the fog was still around me even six months and nine months after Jim died. Yet I was determined to make life count and not lose a minute. I've talked to you all before about how the sudden loss of our loved one kind of opens our eyes to life. We have this new view of life. I knew I had a choice of shutting down and living closed up in desperate circumstances, or trying to find joy, even while missing Jim like crazy. I wanted to savor every last minute of life still given to me. How does that happen? Why does one widow stay stuck for years and lose even a decade and more of living? Yet another widow uses the pain and fear to push forward. One widow is not smarter, better, more emotionally stable than the other. One widow does not have more supportive friends, more financial income, more social contacts than another. Both widows are deep in grief. So what happens? Where's the click? Five months before Jim passed, I was laid off from a job in the field I had spent 20 years working in and had been very successful in. I've talked about this before. It was a gift, though I didn't know it at the time. At the time, being laid off felt devastating. But it gave me the last five months of Jim's life with him that I wasn't working or under the stress of work. He had long been retired, so he was around all the time. I was the one still working eight hours or more a day and, you know, wrapped up in my job. I got the last five months where I was free of that, even though I was looking for other work, concerned about whether I was going to continue working or not. But For those five months, we were also kind of like little kids again together because we could go run out and play anytime we wanted to, and we did. A week after Jim died, the offer letter from a company I had been in talks with came in my email. 
I took the job immediately. No negotiating, no questions asked. Financial fear made me jump at it. I was grateful to be getting a paycheck because I was so scared about no income at all. The job started off great. I was given creative and managerial freedom to make decisions and take the bull by the horns. The result was fantastic results for the company. A backlog that had been haunting them and hindering the entire workflow for years was cleared up in three days. Bam, drop the mic. I was amazing. <laughs> but then they shifted my position and made changes and took away my ability to manage. Someone else was ultimately calling the shots and I could not effectively even schedule people. It was nuts. It was pretty horrible, actually. I was being held accountable for something I had absolutely no control in. I couldn't make a difference in. Added into boot was the fact that the company was taking total advantage of me by working me pretty much around the clock some weeks, always seven days a week. Crazy, right? Widows are easy to take advantage of, I suppose. The thought being that you don't have anyone you have to look after. Um, you don't have any husband that you're committed to being with. So the widow's hurting and has no fight in her. So those in charge, like CEO, sales directors, can totally ride right over her. It's pretty bleak, bleak to say the least. What happened? Well, I actually can track it back to buying Himalayan salt lamps. No kidding. You know, in the 1980s, I was deep into spirituality and metaphysics. And by the 90s, I was studying psychology and reading the ancient philosophers. This is all of that past is a part of me still. But I am far from chanting and burning incense and dancing with my Indian guru and hanging crystals all over my house. Jim used to say it was like coming home to Superman's crystal cave, the fortress of solitude. <laughs> because I still had all my crystals. They were just all piled in bowls. I know that there is a lot of talk about the properties of Himalayan salt. Even Dr. Oz talked about the power of inhaling Himalayan salt. Salt is a natural antiseptic. Breathing the salt air at the beach can clear up conditions like sinusitis. It can relieve asthma. It's the negative ions released into the air. So the warmth of the lamp creates the salt crystal, the big Himalayan salt crystal, to release this. As for further mystical properties... Who knows? You read all kinds of things. I bought them because I was so enchanted with the salt lamps at my masseuse's office. I have a dear friend, a masseuse. She worked on my right arm some years ago and actually saved me from having to have hand surgery. And over the years, we've become very close. I absolutely adore her and still go to her for a massage. In her little office there, she has Himalayan salt lamps. And the warm, soft pink light was so calming. I came home and I promptly bought a couple of salt lamps. 
Work had become such a stressful thing. I brought them home and I plugged them both in in my home office and immediately they felt calming. The stress of my job on top of the fact that I was still deep in the grieving process after Jim's death was weighing so heavily on me. I was sitting at my desk gazing into one of the salt lamps and it was like a fog that had been hanging over me for months, momentarily lifted. It's like I had complete clarity of thought. It was like I could see even more clearly than I was seeing my life before Jim passed away. I knew that what I loved most about my industry and my job over the years was being able to coach my team of transcriptionists and quality assurance people and added to that team were account managers and I was able to coach them to do their best work and be excited about the contribution they were making. I would end up life coaching them too because life kind of comes into the equation when I would be having a talk with them on the phone about why they were feeling unhappy with their job. I would end up coaching them on their lives too. It was that interaction and the opportunity to teach them a little about themselves that made my job so emotionally rewarding. But the new job now had me in a position where there was no time and no interaction for that. The company was not about bringing out the best in people and in their lives. It was about numbers and dollars and return and... It was getting a little ugly, truly. For years, decades of my life, I had been a coach and teacher. It was my view of how reality works, how we create our own personal reality that I coached others based on. And I had gathered 60 years of life experience. Suddenly, I knew that the rest of my life was meant to be spent sharing that experience and knowledge coaching others. It was like a window opening. This is where you should have been focused all along. This has always been your passion. Jim used to tell me this story. I don't even know. I might have shared this before on one of my podcast episodes. I can't remember. There's been so many episodes now and the book that I've written. Jim used to tell me this story of when he was a little kid. He was raised um, going to school in a parochial school, a Catholic school with the nuns. And he had been taught that when you say your prayers at night before getting into bed, that you should also pray and ask for it to be revealed to you what your vocation in life is going to be. And one night he did his prayers. He was still a little guy, got into bed. And as soon as he pulled the covers up and laid his head back on the pillow, he heard this woman's voice. And she said to him, how would you like to be a teacher? And he sat right up in bed and said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a teacher. And then he laid down and went to sleep. He never questioned this. He just knew that somehow he, w he was going to be a teacher. He didn't even focus on studying to be a teacher as he was going through school and college and he spent some time in the Air Force, and, but he knew it was going to happen. And when he got out of his tour in the Air Force and came back home, New York City needed teachers and he fit into their requirements to substitute teach. 
so he sent out like a hundred postcards saying you know this is who i am this is what i can do i'm happy to come in as a substitute teacher and it started his career he never questioned it furthermore when i met this man he was 55 years old 56 years old and he still thought that everybody got the voice i'm not kidding you <laughs> not kidding you he never questioned it he thought everybody got told by the voice when they were a kid what it was they were meant to do in life and i died laughing and just said oh man if only if only i had gotten the voice right well there i was gazing into a himalayan salt lamp stop laughing gazing into a himalayan salt lamp Suddenly, at 60 years old, I got the voice. I got the voice. And I knew I was going to spend the rest of my years as a life coach. That that's what the final act of my lifetime was to be. The last act before the curtain comes down on this lady. Well, my initial intention was to keep working at my job, of course, because I had to have a paycheck, right? but studying at the same time on how to become professionally certified as a life coach. Not that it was needed. The truth is anyone can hang out a shingle saying they're a life coach. I certainly had enough studies in psychology and in my own views on how we create our reality. But in my opinion, it's not ethical to just say, hey, I'm a life coach without some kind of professional certification process. So I started researching courses and schools and the various certification programs out there. Then I found the one out in California. The basis of their coaching training was on thoughts and it was perfect. It matched up with my well-read researched definition of how we create reality. I reached out to them to inquire about the upcoming class cycle that was starting a couple of months down the road at that time. Meanwhile, work became even more oppressive and the situation I found myself in was impossible. It was keeping me trapped in my house and hence trapped in my grief. I knew there was no moving my life forward if I was being required to be available that's in air quotes, available, which means at home near my computer because I would have to log on to their server and check things at all times. It got ugly. It did. I, like I couldn't even take three hours away from the house that they were texting me and, and mad that I wasn't here to check the computer. One Monday morning meeting, I quietly and calmly explained the company's problems to them and I quit. My stomach was on the floor. I think my heart was down there too. I was walking away from a paycheck to having no income at all. It was terrifying. It was, but I knew I couldn't continue with that. Why? God, my hand was essentially forced and I knew there had to be something different, something better. The school had replied that their September class was full and I could be on a waiting list if somebody backed out on it, but that I really should consider doing it at the next new cycle, which would be January. 
Now, I live up in the Northeast on the continent. And if you are upstate New York, you know the chances of getting a flight out of New York in the middle of January to get out to California and home again, it's almost zero. You're going to get stuck in Chicago in a blizzard, guaranteed. <laughs> You'll never make it to the other coast. And I tried to explain this to the school in California where they don't have snow. <laughs> and ice, and horrible travel conditions, that there is no way you travel out of New York in January. It just doesn't happen. But they kept saying, this is your best deal. They even offered to pay for my airfare if I came out in January. And I said, no, I can't. I can't get there. It has to be the September class. It has to be the September class. And I just kept that in my head. I kept it in my head for two months. Like, no, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And finally, they sent an email and said, you know, it's past the time that these people can cancel and get their money back. Nobody cancels after this point. You really need to look at January. Well, I was even beginning to think I'm going to have to look at those other schools again, that I'm just not going to make it to this one and I can't go in January. And their next one after that was going to be like the following April. <laughs> going waiting from September to April was unthinkable because there was no money coming in. And it was now like less than a week away from when class was starting that I started looking again into other uh, coach certification programs. And I was just so unhappy because I really didn't identify with any of them. I didn't like them. They didn't feel right to me. So... I was on a Wednesday afternoon sitting outside my gynecologist office waiting for my annual appointment and I was reading Wayne Dyer. His family, because he had passed away, was selling his Kindle books for 99 cents. Kind of a celebration of his life. And in the book, he tells a story. He talks about intention and he talks about intention being a spiritual flow as opposed to being something that we create in our head. And he describes this little meditation about it. I describe it in my book. And I did it. And the upshot is by the time I got home from that appointment, my phone was ringing. It was the school saying this never happens. But one of our students has had a family emergency come up and can't come. So if you can be here by Friday morning for class, then you've got the spot, which was insane because it takes a day to fly to California anyway, right? And by now it's Wednesday evening here on the East Coast and I needed to be there like in 24 hours. Um, but I did it. I did it. I got there. Being in California for nearly two weeks of daily classes intense study, intense coaching. I can't tell you the amount of content that we were being taught and the effects of coaching other people and having other people coach us. It was amazing. And I realized how passionate I was about this work because I looked around me and there were others who were exhausted by the study. 
and I was energized, completely elated and walking on air. It was exactly what I needed to be doing. More than the coaching certification, I learned that I thrived on experiences and Jim on the other side of this earthly veil was getting to experience all this with me. Suddenly, I was stepping forward in my life reinvented. Not all at once, not all at once. And the certification process that ensued over the next few months was tough, mentally challenging. There was so much to coach myself through. First of all, we were supposed to make a two-minute video talking about what we had to offer to our clients. And I was terrified of cameras. And making a video was probably my biggest stumbling block. Besides getting over all my own stuff about being seen on camera, I was being hit with widow moment after widow moment as I dug out Jim's professional tripod and sat on the floor with his professional cameras around me, remembering that he had so wanted to teach me how to use them. And I refused. He tried. He kept trying to show me these damn cameras. And I would say, I am not the least bit interested. Photography is your thing, not mine. Now I was trying to teach myself how to set these stupid things to record video so I could figure out how to put them on a tripod and then get up the guts to turn it on and sit down in front of it. I cried a lot, a lot, <laughs> I cried a lot. But that said, I passed certification weeks earlier than my classmates and I hit the ground running. Yeah, driven by financial need to create income, sure, but even more so driven by passion. I, you know, I knew why dieting does not work. I had a program developed to overcome the urges that drive us to overeat, which is the true issue, not our weight. I mean, you can diet the weight off, but it always comes back if you don't find what it is that drives you. And I knew that dieting, classic calories in, calories out, was wrong. It's like a 100-year-old myth. I had answers and I couldn't wait to share them with the world. My, I, at the same time that I became a certified life coach, I was also getting certification as a weight loss coach. I launched my business as a weight loss coach. But there was still something burning deep in my heart, truly. When Jim died, I searched for a podcast because I love listening to podcasts, and I still do. I'm a podcast junkie. <laughs> but right after Jim died, I wanted to hear someone else's story. I needed to know what was going on with me. I had read lots of books, like there were other people who gave me books books that were written about being widowed. I bought a couple books at the local Barnes and Nobles about being widowed, but they weren't giving me what it was I really needed. You know, I needed to hear someone else's story. I needed to hear somebody else figured out how to get through this. I needed to hear that I, I wasn't crazy for some of the stuff that I was going through. And when I searched widow in podcast in iTunes, there was nothing. Like if you search iTunes for a TV show, you'll find dozens of podcasts about a specific TV show. But there was not one thing for widows, and I knew I needed to fix that. 
So it was about a year, maybe a year and a couple of weeks after Jim died, that I launched this podcast. It has become an amazing thing. And my business is now shifting to widows because widows began reaching out to me for life coaching through their grief. Widows wanting to know how to even see a future. This passion, I found, took me into an amazing future. Working with other coaches and self-coaching made all the difference in creating my new life and finding some joy in each day. Yeah, I still mourn. I'm in my second year and I miss Jim like crazy. Yet I'm living a reinvented life. It's my life now. I've allowed my post-traumatic stress of his death and the pain of my grief to propel me into post-traumatic growth. There was the click. It's so easy to stay stuck in your birote day and fall into a routine of nothing. I almost did. I was a complete hermit in my house. It was the darkest days of my life. Then suddenly, the inspiration, the decision. I pushed past my financial fear and invested in myself. I had to. I had to find my life. Trust me, I invested a lot of money and time. Scary amounts of money. But now I see it was worth every penny. I continue to invest in, in experiences and insights. I continue to move my life forward. I had no idea a year ago that I would have published a book by now. If you had told me a year ago I would be an Amazon best-selling author, I would have laughed at you. <laughs> I would have laughed. But turning my coaching skills onto myself and reaching out to other coaches has propelled me into life. And I can sense Jim near and he is over-the-top ecstatic about what I'm experiencing and all that we'll have to talk about in some probable future on the other side together. He's reveling and watching my growth. It's like he shares in it. I know it. I can feel it. It's been quite a ride, but worth every fear I had to push through and worth every penny I've invested in me and worth doing it all while processing the inner pain. You can too. It's what I want to share. It's why I'm still giving away my book for free. <laughs> I am. You can check that out at joannethelifecoach.com slash widowed. You can also buy it as a Kindle ebook still for only $4.49. That price will certainly change when the printed version is published because the new publisher will want the Kindle version to be more in align with what we will be charging for the printed version. But this is why I'm refocusing my life coach business from weight loss coaching to coaching widows. Oh, I'm still taking on weight loss coaching clients. They are still reaching out and I have a waiting list for clients uh, to, to come on board as weight, co weight loss coach clients. But I've opened up some more available times in my schedule so I can take on more widowed clients. 
So if you find you want to find out more about help and coaching, to find out how to move through the pain and the emotional tangle of this, you can go to talktojoanne.com. Pick a day and time when we can jump on a phone call together. We can chat about the process and we'll make a decision if it's a fit for us to work together or if there's any other recommendations I have for you. So again, that's at talktojoanne.com, T-A-L-K-T-O-J-O-A-N-N.com. Meanwhile, know that you are not alone in this. You can work out your life, even begin to look forward to your days and get out there and find joy in life again until next week. I'll talk to you again.